Game Cool Books, Episode 70, In Memoriam, Millicent Lenz, Antonia Sison, and William Gray. There are still many readers and scholars of Philip Pullman that I'd like to talk to, and if I had the chance, I would someday love to record a talk with Pullman himself. I have a few questions as I've been reading his books. Um, that I think only he could answer. But this time, seeing as we're with the ghosts in the world of the dead, and we're trying to figure out what to do about that at this point in the Ember Spyglass, and since it seems the answer there has something to do with telling stories drawn from life, I thought it might be appropriate to bring a few scholars into the conversation who have passed away that is, by looking at the work they've left behind. First, then, Millicent Lenz was the editor of a compilation of essays entitled His Dark Materials Illuminated uh, in 2005, and at the time this was one of the first um, anthologies of scholarly academic writing on the trilogy. Uh, she actually passed away in the process of completing that work, uh, which she edited, uh, and it was finished by Carol Scott. Um, her professorship was at University at Albany, uh, State University of New York. Um, at that uh, school, she wrote the, and I'm quoting here from the obituary, highly regarded nuclear age literature for youth, the quest for life-affirming ethic, as well as many professional journal articles. Um, among those articles is a piece on Philip Pullman, and uh, I've linked that in the description. Um, Millicent Lenz Gilson uh, was born in Webster City, Iowa. Um, she was a member of Phi Beta Kappa, and uh, a supporter of causes for the mentally and developmentally disabled. She was on the board and an active member of the National Children's Literature Association and a longtime member of the Modern Language Association. Um, so she is one of the authors who I would have dearly loved to get to talk to, um, but we do her writing to engage with uh, and I have written a, a lengthy article uh, in response to His Dark Materials Illuminated. Um, and I'll just read a bit here from the response to her essay in particular. Its title is Awakening to the 21st Century, the Evolution of Human Consciousness in Pullman's His Dark Materials. I have my critiques of this piece as of the collection as a whole but I appreciate the work Lenz does here to establish Pullman as a subject for serious study. I have to note that she undercuts that seriousness by taking a quote from New Dimensions Radio for one of her epigraphs alongside a passage from The Amber Spyglass, as if to equate the two. The Amber Spyglass, she hastens to point out, uh, is the winner of the prestigious Whitbread Prize. But New Dimensions Radio is apparently a self-help website, and the quote she takes is the 
quote of the day. Um, though my own project here is engaged with just such bridge building between scholarship and popular culture, so perhaps we just don't have the same taste in listening. Lenz's dedication to the project of Pullman scholarship is evidenced by her previously published essay on Pullman in Alternative Worlds of Fantasy Fiction, co-edited with Peter Hunt. And here in His Dark Materials Illuminated, in her introductory essay, she continues to build on the idea of a creative evolution of consciousness. Albeit, she does not ground that endeavor in neuroscience or psychology, and does not really explain why she does not do so. Uh, besides citing Pullman's Arbuthnot lecture, among other statements by the author from across his series as well as outside of it, Lenz draws on studies of Wagner and Shelley, as well as stray quotes from Thoreau and Beowulf, to make her case for Pullman's mythic storytelling as a representation of and blueprint for enlightenment in the intellectual as well as the spiritual sense. It's a convincing enough argument, though I'm already partial to the thesis, and thus would have liked to see less enthusiastic skipping around and more sustained analysis of the actual consequences of such a mode of consciousness. I think Lenz glosses over inherent contradictions, or at any rate a paradox, in her faith in all of us undertaking our own process of mythopoesis, not only cheering on Lyra and Pullman in theirs. Instead of squarely addressing the requirements for Will and Lyra to return each to their real world, or to tell true stories in the world of the dead, or to account for less persuaded readers' claims that God is still a vital part of their lives, and not only the, quote, echoes in the space where God has been, end quote, in Pullman's provocative phrase, a phrase she seems to believe now to be normative or at least desirable. Lacking all this, Lenz's essay concludes by opening the floor to other authors. Her admirable invocation to, quote, enrich the quotient of dust in our literary universe, end quote, would lend with more force if Lenz had, if only in a footnote, wrestled a little more with what that multifaceted moat of a word might mean. So, I would ask her about dust. I would ask her about the kind of new agey uh, material that she wants to weave in. Um, in her Pullman essay in the other book, uh, Alternative Worlds, um, she mentions that it would be useful to compare uh, Ursula K. Le Guin's later Earthsea books, which I don't think I've actually read, um, but I think that Le Guin is up to something kind of similar, or at least it sounds that way. Um, and so I definitely would want to ask uh, Lenz about all of that. Um, I'd also be interested, of course, in the process of curating or editing a, an anthology of critical essays and trying to get the writers to talk to each other uh, or not in, in their contributions. Um, so on to our next uh, guest here. Antonia Sison, or Antonia Sisson, I, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing her name, um, is the uh, youngest of these scholars. Um, and she 
was actually a classics uh, uh, specialist. Um, her obituary mentions that um, her long-term research project, her book, quote, Fama and Fiction in Virgil's Aeneid, uh, published by Ohio State University, keeps one eye on the modern repertoire of the, quote, traditional English novel that had already provided a frame of reference in her dissertation. She chose to acknowledge openly rather than to deny, quote, how hard it is to discern the ways in which our perceptions and therefore our reading practices have been changed through our encounters with fictions, realist or otherwise. Yet the book's account of fictive knowledge in the Aeneid is historically and culturally specific, even as it draws analogies to phenomena that, quote, novel readers are familiar with. Fama, in the title, advertised the book's fine-grained analysis of the multiple and often incommensurate forms of speech, story, myth, knowledge, and memory trafficked in by epic. The Aeneid's narrative structure, she observes, never lets it appear a coincidence that the word fama can refer to an ordinary report, a report that may be accurate, mistaken, or deceptive, neutral, positive, or scandalous, as well as to the crafting of transcendent fame. Her quote, The book seeks to offer an anthropologically inflected account of the transaction in which human subjects, whether characters or readers, recognize, in terms taken from Aristotle, that that has become this, the transaction, the transformation at the basis of fictive knowledge of stories. So she discusses pietas or piety or duty. Um, she discusses uh, the importance of uh, rhetoric uh, and ideology in the epic um, and approaches this problem of mythopoesis or myth-making um, which I found very, very interesting. Now, I have not had a chance to read this book. I'm taking all of these quotes about it um, from the obituary that's linked there. Um, the writer of that goes on to say, um, in other publications, Antonia continued to pursue the themes that interested her in the Aeneid and beyond. Fictive knowledge, as Antonia explains in her book, quote, refers to what imaginative texts and artifacts know or invite their readers to imagine knowing. It is a pointedly inclusive term which takes in forms of knowledge not always associated with fiction, like, quote, historical and, quote, cultural knowledge. The term's inclusiveness borders on paradox. Can one know something that is made up? It leaves open the fertile question of what it means to in the status of knowledge to the communication of epic fama. Her quotes again. The writer of this goes on, and it also invites us to question whether fiction deserves to be set in op opposition to reality or truth, as it often is. In her article, Filthy Harpies and Fictive Knowledge in Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials Trilogy, published in Classical Traditions in Modern Fantasy, edited by B. Stevens and B. Rogers, Antonia explores the seeming paradox that fictions can be more or less truthful. In The Amber Spyglass, no name. Harpy attacks Lyra as a liar for retelling a romance when what was needed was a real memory, a story drawn from her lived experience. And this, Antonia argues, introduces readers to the, quote, prescriptive authority governing what kinds of storytelling, end quote, are to be regarded as clean or dirty. 
what matters to the harpies and by extension to us as readers are the tangible experiences the quote fictions that expand knowledge via the imagination rather than those that distort or neutralize experience and sorry for interspersing and intercutting all these quotes and analyses and commentaries um I, I do hope that you'll check out some of Antonia's writing. I certainly still intend to get a hold of some of these books. My classical knowledge is quite limited, um, but I have read the Aeneid, and I'm aware that it's uh, probably much more important than I've made it out to be in my discussion so far of Pullman. Um, certainly uh, very influential for his sources, uh, the epic tradition that follows the classical period. Um, and um, we come now to our third academic, Professor William Gray. Um, he was, it says here, existentially challenged by Kleist, Bruckner, and Sartre, uh, and went on to study theology and philosophy at Edinburgh and Princeton. He took Walter Kaufman's course on Nietzsche and a doctoral seminar on Gadamer's recently translated Truth and Method, the book on which he subsequently wrote his PhD thesis, and which has informed his subsequent teaching and writing. Um, so I did sit down and read as much of that PhD thesis as I could. Um, it's quite dense, as you might imagine. Uh, it deals with the connections between Gadamer and Heidegger, the other major 20th century philosopher that he deals with there, um, as well as their debts to thinkers like Hegel and even Plato. Um, so a, a lot goes into that dissertation, uh, much more uh, beyond my reading of my first-hand reading knowledge. Um, but I've also read his uh, book, Fantasy, Myth, and the Measure of Truth, subtitled Tales of Pullman, Lewis, Tolkien, MacDonald, and Hoffman. Um, I have not read his other collected essays in the edition entitled Death and Fantasy, uh, or Fantasy, Art, and Life, those two other books. Um, all of these are quite difficult to find. I, I have only got the one through interlibrary loan so far, um, and uh, I haven't been able to find uh, online texts on the online libraries that I am a member of. So again, my reading of these authors is still very much in process. Um, I certainly want to do a better job of um, reading some, at least some of their books uh, before I would I would talk to them. Um, in a ideal world, um, I would be able to have access to more of this material, and um, I'd have done so uh, while they were still around to answer some questions. Um, now, in that fantasy um, myth and the measure of truth, um, I'll read from the response that I wrote about it. Um, he builds on his study of the, quote, anxiety of influence. That's a term from Harold Bloom, and he has a nice shorter essay on that. Um, the anxiety of influence between Pullman, C.S. Lewis, and George MacDonald, 
and he considers these authors, as well as Tolkien and the German Romantics. Each gets a chapter to themselves, with J.K. Rowling brought in for the postscript. Gray traces the chronological development of their works and their relations to his core themes of truth and fantasy. Through comparisons among the authors, often juxtaposing their commentary about one another against a fair reading of their own stories, Gray draws out the underlying similarities of a seemingly disparate group. In the background, besides Bloom and his obsession with Voyage to Arcturus, there are a number of theoretical paradigms outrunning my first-hand knowledge, such as Abrams on natural supernaturalism, Kristeva on semiotics, and the whole dialectical tradition uh, which Gray brings together in a kind of robust Christian Platonism. And again, that's drawing on his own dissertation um, from what I've been able to read. His recovery of authors like Novalis and Hoffman tracing their influence on and through MacDonald and the others makes for an invigorating reappraisal of the well-trodden discussion of mythopoeisis and modern fantasy. As carried forward by Pullman in his Dark Materials, this complex intertextual myth-making comes full circle, with Lyra connected to, among others, Alice, Tangle, and Eve. A second Eve, as Russell puts it in the Lens and Scott anthology. With all that said, I come away from the book unsure what, if any, central claim Gray would like to get across. The final section on Pullman wraps up in anticlimactic quibbles with a film version of The Golden Compass. The postscript on Rowling makes the modest case for her inclusion in the fantasy canon, essentially. By extension, the book as a whole seems to argue for the fantasy literature of the past hundred years as being important and worthy of serious study. I don't think this is a claim anyone still disputes. At any rate, Gray's insightful essays promote and enrich the study of their primary texts with admirable force. And so, much like my takeaways from the Lens book, um, much as I suspect is going to be present in the Sisson works, a lot of what these authors are up to is staking out a claim for the importance of fantasy literature. Um, now, I kind of worry that there's preaching to the choir going on here because the kinds of people who sit down and read and write about these books are, of course, going to be very impacted by fantasy and, and care very deeply about that. I just know that that is supported uh, when we look out at uh, the great mass of readers. Uh, I don't know if I'm asking for some kind of so sociological or anthropological survey here, in addition to the uh, neuroscience and psychology I wanted from Lens, but I just, I don't know how how persuasive these kinds of claims are writ large, um, perhaps in terms of a uh, fairly elite um, intellectual tradition, there, there's something to be said for it. Um, I think Gray does that work very nicely. Um, and uh, in, in my own work, I think I'm just a bit more worried that um, that elite intellectual tradition is increasingly cut off from, um, perhaps even incomprehensible to, a, a more popular uh, mass audience. Uh, and I, I'd be the first to admit that I'm probably not doing a terribly good job of uh, my, my own stated goal of, of bridging these two things. And I'm sorry, my cat is meowing here pretty loud. Um, but but that, 
that does remain the goal, and I, I do want to keep trying to read these um, these very highfalutin, uh, very brilliant uh, writers, and and bring them into contact with um, more popular literature um, and video games too. I I'd better attend to the cat here, um, and I, I really appreciate y'all listening. Um, I hope that you'll send in questions and comments. Um, if you know more about William Gray, Antonia Sison, Sison, uh, or Millicent Lenz, if you know more about their work, or uh, if I've mischaracterized them in any way, uh, apologize uh, sincerely. I hope you, you'll uh, get in touch and um, and set me straight. If there are other authors, uh, academics, fans out there who would be interested in a conversation about Philip Pullman's his dark materials. Uh, please do drop me a line. I'm on the lookout for anyone and everyone who might want to discuss, interrogate, investigate uh, these great books. And uh, so long as it's coming from a place of, of love and, uh, and care for what Pullman describes as true stories. Um, I hope this finds you all well, and thanks again for listening.